You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state. Just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols, and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio, begins right now, and this will be last ever Seminole headlines on uh, ESPN radio, I think, guys. I think this is it. This is the we say sayonara to ESPN and make our way over to uh, all together now again at warchant.com and 93.3. It is uh, great to be joined by, as always, Irish Chappelle, Corey Clark, and this hour is brought to you by our friends at Register Sausage. Yay, sausage! That <laughs> off at the top, baby. You hey, muted yourself, Corey. Nobody can hear you. Corey starts off our last. This is our farewell to ESPN Radio in Tallahassee. Is uh, Corey taking the stage, taking the floor with himself muted? Hey, you know what? You know what? It wouldn't be us. It wouldn't be the show if I didn't do something like that early <laughs> on. I just want to. It, it makes people long for more. Um, I was at the beach this week, uh, and Register Sausage was a big hit with the uh, the people we shared the beach house with. Stephanie cooked some up, uh, and it was delicious as always. And people's like, people were like, "Where'd you get that?" And I'm like, buddy, you can go to registersmeet.com and get all you want. <laughs> Corey, this time with the website drop instead right. of Ira. All well, right, breaking it quite, out. I like it. Quite the endorsement. He was with friends from Atlanta. And, and as we've said, Register Meets has not made the takeover, has not made it up to Atlanta mm-hmm. yet. But uh, I'm, I'm sure as our new uh, venture takes off here and Warchant, mm-hmm. uh, Seminole Headlines, the Warchant Partnership. It's going to be a matter of no time before Register Meats takes over. It was the yeah, end of so, we. So, it was the end of we that they that that we that we cooked up for them. Or Stephanie did really good. I don't think I don't think you eat anything different these days, buddy. It's the end of we or nothing. Well, no jalapeno cheddar. I still okay. I still okay. roll with that sometimes. But yeah, you're right. Mostly end of we. 
And it's also the first Seminole headlines we've done since I jumped on board warchant.com. So um, this is a, a monumental show, guys. Let's not uh, F it up. Let's, let's let everybody too, be, on their, you know, be on their best. Too late. Maybe you should have given Corey that pep talk before we, before we started. <laughs> yeah. From Corey, now. Yeah, From Corey now. was so disinterested about me joining Warchant, he put himself on mute and said, yeah. well, let's let Ira and Jeff talk. <laughs> I didn't want you to hear what I was saying about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's been, a, it's been an eventful week, though, man. It's been an eventful week. You're, you're big news, and uh, you know the SEC is taking over the world. Well, really quickly, uh, some good things happened for Florida State in the midst of all this terrible stuff for college football, and that is that they continue to sign uh, offensive and defensive linemen, which is something to celebrate given that where all Florida State's problems reside pretty much are on the offensive and defensive line the last several years. So that's good news. Corey, I wanted to commend you right out the gates. Um, you could not have summarized uh, my feelings more. And by the way, that's why I'm congratulating you, because you were able to uh, tap into my feelings, not anybody else's, but right. specifically Well, mine. hey, you're now a part of WarChant, so I feel like yeah. I'm going to be tapping into that a lot. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> tapping really, that a lot. Tapping that's that a lot, really unfortunate. Man. That's a phrasing, as the kids say, phrasing. Um, right. No, I, I would say that... Um, the piece you wrote on warchant.com probably resonates more than anything you've ever written. You know, all that other nonsense. This is, this is the one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I appreciate because that. this is, this is uh, perfectly represents that feeling of uh, helplessness that I think college football fans have. I know this show is specific most of the time to Florida state, but in truth, we're all diehard college football fans and it feels like we're losing college football. And I think that's one of the I liked about the piece that you guys can read on Warchant.com that Corey wrote. Um, I, I immediately thought that when I heard the news. I didn't immediately think, oh, no, what's FSU going to do? Because I've been thinking that for years. What's right. FSU going to do? They've been stuck in the ACC. They've had this monetary gap that is making it more difficult to compete with teams in their region. Um, that, that doesn't change. Nothing changes about that. Um, so I've always been worried about that. And we've all talked about it. But this feels like we're seeing the ruination of college football because it's beginning to look more and more like pro football. And pro football already exists. College was unique because it was charming. It had its traditions. It had its different campuses. And there was a collegial feel. And as you correctly pointed out, all of the schools mattered in some way or another. Yes, you still predominantly saw teams in the South dominate the sport. But you know, we've had our moments where Colorado and Georgia Tech split a title and BYU won a title. And there were these years where Oregon can rise up and, and find their way in. And it feels less and less likely that that's going to take place and more and more likely that people aren't going to really be all that interested in college football. It was already trending in the wrong direction. I think this is just a running kick to the cojones for people who love the sport. Yeah, well, except for, I guess, the fans in Texas and Oklahoma. But the thing is, they were relevant anyway. Um, you know, they were one of the two few that were still, I know Texas doesn't win anything anymore, but they're a relevant football program. And I would say I, it is becoming like the NFL in a certain sense, but in the other way, the point I make in the column is, yeah, man, but the NFL pays everybody equally. They all, they all play by the same rules. They all have the same, they all have the same uh, salary cap. They all have the same revenue sharing. ESPN has made it to a point where only, only really one conference to them matters. And the Big Ten got all their money with their Big Ten network, but they they broadcast the Big Ten games too. So they ESPN has carved out college football where there's now two power leagues, and the rest of you can go f off. They don't care. They just don't. 
Clemson might play a big game. Clemson, Georgia, they care about that. But otherwise, when you're paying one conference, 200, when one conference makes $250 million more, almost three, actually $300 million more than another conference that's playing the same sport, you're not playing the same sport. So that's what that's what's frustrating. And what is the SEC going to look like? What's that TV deal going to look like now with Texas and Oklahoma into the mix? I do think, and Ira, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I, I do think we get to a place of diminishing returns here. I, I don't think it's healthy for the SEC to ostracize the rest of college football. Um, you know, most of the country couldn't give a about the SEC. This isn't good. You're going to have one group of people watching the sport, and they're all going to reside in one region of the country, and everybody else is going to say, go f*** yourself. Hey, man, just one thing. If you're going to join Wordchant.com, by the way, we're a family website. <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't it, Jeff. This you ain't it. Believe, Did Gene not, Gene not talk to him? You can't believe some of this this language that you've been used to using over at uh, ESPN uh, back there. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I, I That's the, the frustrating thing about college football, and, and this is not a new revelation, but the lack of any leadership of the, the sport is is apparent. And so now when there's a vacuum of leadership – Different people are going to, you know, there's going to be power grabs, and this is what this is. But what's amazing to me, and, and Corey touched on it also in the piece, was, you know, the ESPN, they're, this is, it's almost like there's no forethought on their part. You know, it's, it's, it's such a short-sighted, um, and, and I, don't, I don't begrudge them giving one conference more money than another because they, they're not part of the same league. I mean, that's, that's the correct. problem. They're not part of the same league. So if the SEC and their schools can bring more viewers and more ratings, then the SEC is going to pay more money for it because they could sell more advertising to it. So, so I get it, but there also should be some foresight about the future of the sport. And, 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 and that's, you know, to the point you guys are making, I think is, is concerning. It's troubling because we're talking about getting rid of rivalries. We're talking about getting rid of, I mean, the, the stuff people are talking about right now is as far as solutions, you know, does Florida still need to play Florida state? Does, Texas still, you know, I mean, the, the, all these rivalries that we've started to see erode the last few years, it's not good for the sport. And and we could say that the only reason college football attendance is down is because uh, the seating isn't as comfortable and people, the home viewing experience. But part of it also might be kind of the erosion of these rivalries and the spectacle of college sports that we all know and love. And, and this is just going further and further down that road. Now, I mean, I know we, we sound like get off my lawn, old guys, shouting at the clouds, but I think it's a real present danger for college football. It existed before they added Texas and Oklahoma. Right. This is, this, this is just a, a furthering of an already sizable problem that had been identified by all of us. Uh, the last five years in college football have not been healthy for the sport. When you talk to fans and you, you take a look at the way, you, you mean just think of your own feelings before the start of every season. I remember standing up on the roof at Doe Campbell about eight years ago and, and looking, I don't remember who we were playing, but I was talking to another member of the media and that person said to me, you know, luckily I'm going to be leaving this business. I don't really want to cover college football anymore because I see where this is going. And at the time that guy was, was, was this Ira? It was not <laughs> okay. at, the <laughs> at the time it was Alabama. He was lamenting Alabama's ability to have 100 assistant coaches and analysts and you know how one or two schools could afford to do that and even though 
the common response is, well, you could do it. You're allowed to do it. There's no rules prohibiting you from doing it. Yeah, man, we can't do it. Most schools cannot afford to do that. They can't have, and you pointed it out in your piece, Corey, they can't have 50, 60 analysts. They can't be a, a wayward home for fired coaches to, to go get paid and, and break down film for a game that's eight weeks away from happening. And so what you were having, what you were watching was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma and occasionally some other poor sap that got in there to get their head kicked in, like Notre Dame or Michigan State or Washington. But n- nobody else really felt like um, this was trending in a way that saw the inclusion of the vast majority of college football programs, at least not in a way that allows them to compete, honestly compete for championships. We were getting further and further away, and we're going to continue to get further and further away. I'll also say I'm not sure if, I, if I'm at a school in the SEC, if I go to Ole Miss, if I go to Mississippi State, if I go to Arkansas, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, we can keep going here. I know now that I will never see my team build towards anything and never in their lifetime, in my lifetime, have a shot to win a damn thing in the SEC. Nothing. Yeah, I, I doubt Jimbo's real fired up about this prospect either um, with, with what's with Texas coming back into their conference. But, yeah, man, now Texas gets to recruit Arkansas more, gets to recruit Louisiana more. They, that, that, that selling point of playing in the SEC will be over. Um, yeah, I, again, I, I think Ira, well, Ira was uh, mentioning something I wrote in the column, so I guess I'll mention it. I'll, I'll, I'll give myself yourself. credit. Yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, it now I lost the point of what I was going to say. Well, hey, Come on, look, guys, it's not a strong start to the show for me. I'll be honest. It's early. <laughs> I'm trying my best. It's not a strong start. I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get save, it together. I'm going to save you with my Jimbo take since uh, you brought up Jimbo. So Nobody's crying for Jimbo. Well, here's my theory, though. This is my big prediction. Mark it down on the final episode at ESPN 97.9 yeah. Tallahassee of Seminole Headlines. Jimbo Fisher will be the next head coach at LSU. I'm telling you, man, he the the idea of of splitting that state. I mean, he lost what's special at Texas A&M being in the SEC if Texas comes in. If he goes to LSU, he goes he gets his entire state to recruit. That's his state. That's what's special about LSU. That's one of the, I think, one of the main reasons he always wanted that job. And I, he's got no buyout. He's got no reason to stay. His old AD, Woodward, the guy who brought him to Texas A&M, is at LSU now. I think as soon as, whether it's a scandal or they start losing more, whatever it is, I think Ed O will be out and Jimbo Fisher will be the next head coach at LSU. Well, they've already started the losing process. The scandal already exists. Yeah. Uh they know that they're on the countdown clock to tell Ed to have a good day, who caught lightning in a bottle because of a special wonder kid at offensive coordinator and a, an amazing turnaround from a quarterback from 16 touchdowns to 60. That ain't ever happening again for Ed. Hey, so man, I'm, again. I, mean, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you got you got like, this one week to get it all out of your system, buddy. I was going to say, I'd like to apologize to all our war chant, our new listeners from War Champ. This isn't how he normally is. Oh, man. Uh, Hold on. We've got to carry it over. The shenanigans carry us over to segment two. Hang in. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, Ira, you were going to say something before we hit the break there. Go ahead. Uh, Your last point was Jimbo to LSU. I I think it's a fair one. Before you drop a few more F-bombs. No, I was just just following up on that. I think, man, as soon as – you know, Texas A&M, it's no mystery that, that it was a Texas A&M reporter that broke that story, that once they caught wind of it, they were trying to head it off at the pass. But I guarantee you, Jimbo's second call, if he was the one that made the first call to the media, his second call was uh, to his buddy at, at LSU uh, saying, hey, 
just letting you know, I'm ready to come home. Um, and you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I just think that 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 whole that whole situation in that conference has got to be pretty toxic right now. I mean, it, it's you've got schools that you know the, the powers that be made this decision. No, I'd say made this decision, but the, all the maneuvering was done behind closed doors. Nobody else was involved because they didn't want Texas A&M to catch wind of it. And you know, again, and SC and the ESPN's at the table for all of this. It's just weird, man. This whole the whole the whole power structure of this is so bizarre because, again, you, you know, the ACC will say, you know, ESPN's our partner, and that's kind of their saving grace. And that's you know, the, you know, ESPN's going to be with us. You know, we've got this deal till 2035, 2036. But they were part of the, there's no doubt they were part of this negotiation, which is basically not, it's not crippling your conference, but again, it's giving a huge advantage to another conference. It's just, it's just, I don't, I don't understand how any of this is tenable. It's like the hunger games, you know, of college. It's not, it's not, it's going to end up being, uh, it's going to end up being NASCAR where there's one, there's one part of the country that cares about this sport, but also I don't understand. I know you said that you don't mind them paying another conference this much more money, well, if you have all the conferences, which you now will because the Big 12 will cease to exist. Thanks a lot, Texas and Oklahoma, and caring about anything but yourselves. But fine, I know that's the world we live in. But there'll be four conferences. ESPN can own all four of them. And you've got probably $3 billion worth of revenue in those four conferences. Yeah, you could I'm gonna, split I, it up evenly. Yeah, here's what I'll tell you. I don't think that's going to happen. I think no, I know that, it's not going to happen. Of course it's not going to happen. But right. it could for the betterment yeah, but, of the sport, it could, and in the long term, it would be good for the sport. But they yeah, won't I, do that. ESPN would probably argue that it's not their fault. College football doesn't have a, a commissioner to to help uh, mitigate all of this, and you know that they're trying to cash in as a business would um, on the most with the most marketable football programs. But but I would also say that uh, look, CBS lost out on the money uh, with the SEC. They did bid enough. ESPN got it. Fox has now just been kicked in the cojones uh, because the Big 12, who they've partnered with, is now useless and will cease to exist, as you just pointed out, Corey. Um, you could argue, certainly, NBC, I don't know, name some other massive corporate giant like Netflix or something. People are going to get into rights bidding for college football, for what remains of college football. So that's why we say we don't know what's coming next. And I, I think getting back to your article, Corey, you correctly pointed out that in the big scheme of things, whenever that next group who puts together some super conference comes into play and bids for the rights to do so, Florida State will be part of that. Clemson yeah. will be part of that. Yep. These other schools are all screwed. This is where that's heading. I mean, unless you're part of the larger fabric of college football's elite, and I think Florida State's cachet says they are, then, you know, you're done. You're going to be playing a different brand of football some other, you know, I don't know, it could be on Nickelodeon or something, but nobody's nobody's watching Utah against BC. Um, or, or or if they are, they they know it's not part of big time college football anymore. Well, and if those and if that happens, if if those teams do get relegated to some smaller division or whatever it is, they're not gonna get the money they've been getting as part of these conferences, you know. So mm -hmm. the the BCs and the wakes and, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be getting even the 35 million a year. They're going to be getting much less. And then, then it becomes a question of, you know, how much money can they even put into the sport um, and, and, and to continue. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I wish I knew it was going, where it was going. I wish I felt good that there was some possible um, positive scenarios other than like the ACC figuring out a way to, to partner with the big 10 in some sort of way or, or, 
I don't know. But, but, but then you go back to the whole TV part and that's what it almost feels like that ESPN in doing this was, was kneecapping Fox. Like that was their big objective as opposed to that long-term health of the sport. You know, I don't know. It's uh, just frustrating. And, and if, and if we get frustrated about it and this is, you know, what we do for a living, we love it. This is what we imagine. Imagine the, 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 the fans who have already, especially teams that have already started to struggle, you know, and, and haven't been relevant. And they look at over the last six years, Clemson making six straight playoffs and Alabama making what five or six of this, of the playoffs that, that have been and Ohio state being in there every year. I mean, it's just, a, it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. It just, it makes you wonder about the long-term viability. Well, I, I think again, one of the things that um, we're, we're expressing frustration about, maybe it's less to do. I mean, if it sounds like a lot of jealousy, it really isn't. I'm not jealous of the SEC. I, I, I mean, I like college football, and I'm sad that college football doesn't feel a lot like college football anymore. And I don't know what we can do about it. We all agreed that at some point players were going to have to be paid. But it does feel like we're getting to a place where this is resembling more and more a professional football. And guess what? Professional football already exists, and they do it better. College was unique. It had carved out its own place. We, we grew up loving college football because it was so different from professional football. But as we move more and more towards college football looking like pro football, or at least the ones who can actually compete for championships do, it has lost all uniqueness. And, and it feels like something's being taken away from us that we grew up absolutely loving. And that is what's tragic. That's what we're lamenting. It's less well, about jealousy towards the SEC and more about our beloved college football going the way of the dodo. And how is how is how's is Texas going to exist in the SEC? I mean, they've been not they've well. run. I mean, they've run roughshod over the Big Twelve. It's all been about them. That Texas Oklahoma game has always been the the marquee event in that conference. And now, you know, it's just another game. And Texas is just another team in that conference. I mean, they're, they're you know that you know it's funny. It's like uh, in every every conference has their own power structure. And like when you know when the SC, when the ACC holds its meetings. You know, when it, when Jimbo stepped in, he took over. As the, he's like, hey, I'm Florida State's head coach. I'm going to be the guy that pounds my hand on the fist. I'm going to take that role in basketball. You know, it's been what Coach K and, and what Dean and what um, Roy Williams wanted. It's, you know, the Texas is going to come in that SEC meeting room, and they're not talking over anybody. And so no. that's – it's, it's, it's going to be interesting even, to see how it plays out. They could very rarely win the Big 12, for Christ's sakes. Uh, and they had only one team to try to beat. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, this is, again, how would you like to be for all this SEC money? You know, Mark Stoops is trying to build something in Kentucky. Well, man, it's over. You're done. You're never going to do a damn thing there. If you're Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, there are countless teams there that have zero chance to ever unseat Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, Georgia, I mean, the rest of that league is just a bunch of guys to get their ass kicked every Saturday by the by the four or five at the top. That'll be all that is. Yeah, for eternity, apparently. Yes. Um, yeah, and you know, you know, I the only way the ACC could even make it somewhat close the gap a little is the whole Notre Dame dream. But I think all three of us know that. Look, Notre Dame would do a great service for the ACC by joining the league, right? Notre Dame would still make a ton of money. And they would join the league and help out 14 other schools and make it viable long term. But what in the world have we seen from college football powers that be 
in the last 10 or 15 or 100 years that makes us think that a university will have the greater good in mind instead of just making money, gobbling up as much money as possible. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And that's what Notre Dame will do because that's what everyone does. And eventually it might kill the sport. It might kill the sport. And what I hope happens, what I hope I – the only way this can survive is if they do break off somehow and you have two giant leagues, like the NFC and the AFC, for instance. And the one thing that pro sports leagues have, Jeff, that college football doesn't have, is commissioners. You know what I mean? People that actually care about the sport, or are supposed to anyway. Um, I don't know how the Pirates are allowed to do what they always do every year, but that's another that's another show. But uh, the college football doesn't have one. Maybe if they broke away, they could have some czar or some commissioner. They could something like this would come up, and you go, no, that's not no, that's not happening. Remember when the Lakers tried to get Chris Paul? Yeah, and the, the, and the said, league no. was like, no chance. Nope, that's not happening. Um, so yeah, th- it would be great if somebody was in a power, st- if there was a power structure where somebody with the greater good of the sport in mind could, could eliminate stuff like this. But until that day happens, maybe Notre Dame will join the SEC. Seminole Headlines continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. You know, we've been saying that to your point before the break, Corey, that uh, college football, uh, for for the billions of dollars uh, that it makes, was rudderless for a very long time. And we've seen this thing heading the wrong direction for a very long time. And there have been cries for some sort of commissioner of college football um, from coaches and administrators for a very long time. It didn't happen. So in some ways, this was inevitable. And I think then if you want to look at a microcosm of where, you know, Florida State's at on the bigger picture, they have not had a strong athletic director, uh, I would argue, uh, since Dave Hart left. And um, because athletic directors that were here, many of them were puppets, um, and and because of the set situation with the booster club, really had no power, um, Florida State has been left to go along for the ride and get screwed by the ACC and John Swafford. And this is infinitely frustrating because at a time when you would need a very strong athletic director, they still don't have one. And that's not, I'm not ripping Coburn, but he's a stopgap measure. He's a bean counter. This is, you don't have one unless you make Alfred the guy right now, but they gotta, they gotta figure something out very quickly because they're getting left in the, in the dust. Well, the, and the problem is in the grant of rights, kind of limits what they can do as long as the ACC is still intact you know they signed that deal and 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 you know I think we're going to do some stuff at warchant.com this week where we kind of go back and litigate some of that but um you know whether or not that was the right thing to do and and whether or not that was the only option and and where they could go going forward but the reality is that's where they're at that deal is pushed through 25 36 I think so you're looking at 15 more years and so if if for people that don't know if any school in the conference decides to leave, they would owe all of their t- television revenue from wherever they go would actually go to the ACC for those years unless they can settle it for, for a smaller amount. But there's not going to be a big uh, interest from the ACC schools to uh, help Florida State out of that deal. So so I don't know what all they can do, um, but I do think that they need to take leader. Uh, they need to have a leadership role in whatever the conference does. And to your point, I mean, I think Mike Alford, with his connections um, – is helpful. Um, and, you know, you have a new president taking over who has no athletic experience. I mean, this is definitely a precarious time. I mean, 
the new new president came from Harvard, and before that, he was at uh, Carnegie Mellon. So it's not like he's ever been at any kind of school that had a big athletic program. And then, uh, you know, as you said, David Coburn was not an athletics guy. He worked in the legislature for 30 plus years. So um, it's a yeah, it's not a great time. But but I think the the bigger uh, I guess the one thing I'd weigh against that, though, is I do feel better about the ACC's leadership and and from everybody I've talked to inside and outside of the ACC, Jim Phillips, who's the new commissioner. And that's what well, I wrote about it over the weekend. Uh, he is could not be high, more well respected. I mean, the big, the big 10 people regret the fact that they didn't make him their commissioner. Um, he's as sharp as it gets. He's connected as he gets. I don't know if he can get Notre Dame in the league, but I guarantee you, um, you know, if, if the ACC has any hope, it's going to rely on him and, and they're lucky to have him. Do you think Jim Phillips is like, what have I done? What, what a time to sign up to be the commissioner of the ACC. Sweet Jesus. He takes I, over and immediately gets kicked in the face with this. Well, you know, it's funny, man. When he took the job, I remember thinking, I actually took it as, well, that's a good sign for the ACC that he was willing to take the job because he could have stayed at Northwestern and waited for the Big Ten to right their wrong and come back to him and make him the commissioner at some point after uh, like Warren's uh, first uh, couple years on the job have not gone very well. But, um, but they, you know, he didn't do that. He jumped at the ACC, and I think that's, to me, I feel like he had to feel good about the ACC's future. Now, whether or not he expected Does he still feel good time, about the ACC? That's, that's a great question. That's a great question. But, I mean, you know, again, you know, you feel better about him being in charge. There's really nobody else uh, in college sports that I think you ACC fans would feel better about being the commissioner right now um, because he is very connected in the Big Ten. And I think that whether it's Notre Dame and, the, and or the Big Ten – However this shakes out, I feel like that's going to be the key for Florida State. It's not going to be doing anything with the Pac-12. It's not The schools left in the Big 12 don't do anything for you. There's got to be something either with Notre Dame and or any schools because the Big Ten's deal is coming up pretty soon too. Now, I don't know if it might be fantasy land to think that Notre Dame could convince any of those schools to come with them to the ACC. I don't know if that's possible, but I think that's one of the few solutions, and Jim Phillips is, a, is the only guy I can think of that can make that happen. Or just have a couple giant conferences. Which, yeah, it could happen. But, you know, it's like, why would, why would, if that's where you're going, like, I don't know why ESPN and the SEC would do this now. Unless it's just, you know, a, mo a movement to, to force everybody's hand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you go to two huge super conferences, that makes sense. But, again, I think as a college football fan, you, you, it's you know, over. It's just, this I mean, it's over for what we know. It's just not the sport. It'll never come back. It just won't. Uh, that's it. That we already knew that anyway. I mean, once once head coaches started getting eight nine million dollars a year, or even two million dollars a year, that train was out of the uh, out of the station and down the down the railway, down the what do we call it, down, down the tracks, the, down, the down the tracks. And mm -hmm. look, guys, I'm trying. I was I was actually thinking. Um, so we're going to be doing a couple now that you're at War Chant, Jeff. We're going to yeah. be doing some of this live occasionally. People will be yeah. able to watch us um, in, either in studio or doing this when I'm in Atlanta, uh, the, the the Skype Zoom stuff. we got to get you all better backdrops. I mean, Jeff, you're sitting in front of, I guess, your China. Mm -hmm. Ira's in front of a, I don't know, an 18th century painting. I mean, we got this ain't, we got to make it good for the viewers to want to watch so, this. So understand that all of us realize this would not be watched today. So we didn't make sure. any special efforts. But what um, do you, you, you have something in mind? Do you also, have a home studio in mind? Also, also, my man 
is in Atlanta, and that's the reason we're not in the studio right now. Correct. But hey, he's correct. gonna he's gonna take a sh on our backdrop. Oh, what is going man. on? I just this know <laughs> for f sake, you two. This is okay, ridiculous. Guys. Okay. <laughs> we're done. We're done. Oklahoma and Texas is just, this has made us, it's like Lord of the Flies in here now. <laughs> but man, we're going to be in studio more often, remember? I'm going to try. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's what I'm going to be trying to do. But right. it would not, but our live shows, I figure, have to be like this because they'll be YouTubed. So when they're YouTube, I don't know yeah. that we could film us all together, could we? Oh, I guess we could, yeah. yeah. Yes, we yeah. absolutely can, yes. All right, yeah, no, forget what I said there. But when we're doing this, guys, and it, some of the, this will be live, I got to get Do you see your background? Hey, man, I, but I got you my got, Warchamp banner you got, upstairs. You got I, it right I got now. That, I got what that locked and loaded. What do you have right now? Well, a chair. A and big a black chair and a, and a barren and a blank, wall. A blank a wall in a, in a hallway. But Jeff's, yeah. you know, China cabinet is not to your well, I've never seen Jeff not in front of a – like, you have your little sports room. I've never seen Jeff in front of anything but the China cabinet. No, no. I, this is where my this is where my giant iMac is. It's where I get my work done out here uh, in the living room most of the time. I can kind of monitor everything that's going on out here. We've got an open floor plan, Corey. I love this area. <laughs> I'm not trying to impress – I'm not trying to impress anybody with my China cabinet. But listen, when, I, when I'm doing the war chant stuff, I've already requested from Gene that I need the banner. You mm. won't see the China anymore. And also, I'm going to go ahead and move this back to the den area, and I'm going to I'm going to change things up because now there's a pressing need for me to have a cool little area set up. Are like you going to take that big face things. you have in the studio of yourself, like the? Oh the... well, that that goes everywhere. It'll be behind me for every war chant event. Absolutely, it'll, <laughs> oh, it'll be Good. my my Good. giant head. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I do like the way that Corey was successful. By the way. He uh, he butchered his train track analogy. He was mm. he was stumbling and fumbling, and then turned it on us in our backgrounds, and then that got us off the topic. Yeah. And, uh, well, he hey, look, man, that's a skill. That's a skill that not everybody has, but people don't even remember that I that I screwed up that metaphor. Um, yeah, but I think I think for the the listener's purpose, I do I do feel confident where Florida State will end up when this is all over. My biggest question is: Is that going to be twenty years from now when this eventually breaks away and they do come into because this isn't sustainable. If it if it happens like this, the SEC is going to have eight teams out of twelve in every twelve or six out of twelve in every playoff. And the sport is going to become less and less popular over time, unless they do something to break it away and make it an NFL light. But when they do that, don't you both guys think that Florida State will make make some conference where they're where they're in the they're in the game, they're in the sport? I definitely yeah, do. Be- yeah, I definitely do. But they also need to start. Winning again. I mean, I, you know, the long Why, Vanderbilt doesn't win. And that's another question. Does Vanderbilt make it? No, that's the other thing I was thinking about. Like we talk about what should the ACC do? I'd contract. Yeah. I'd tell Vanderbilt I would tell Purdue. Syracuse. Yeah. I would tell Syracuse. I would tell Boston college. I tell all those schools, go to hell, go pound rocks. We're, we're moving on here. This is it. We're going to go grab Houston and a couple other schools, maybe UCF. I don't know. And we're going to make this thing viable for 20 years down the road because of markets. Maybe yeah. I don't know. And Wake and Duke, you're not you're not going to miss them in the foot in a football conference because no, they've never I mean, given you anything, and they've never tried to give you anything. They just can't. They they um, and I, I I can't imagine how the SEC. I guess it's because they have so much money, they don't care. But like, how do you how if you're LSU, do you look at Vanderbilt and go, we make the same amount of money as you do when you guys don't do jack squat ever? 
for this conference, other than having well, baseball. This is, this is what this is what Tom Lang's been saying forever. Like, why does Wake get what Florida State's getting? Why does yeah. why does any, why do any of these schools? Because well, it's offered. Well, it's the greater it's also, good, right? It's what well, it's, you need teams to play against. Yeah, well, and it's not sustainable to do what the Big 12 used to do, where you give different money to different schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's the answer. You just like but them to use could, the money better. Ex- exactly. And that's where, again, man, it was a big deal. It got over, it's completely overshadowed because of the SEC news with Oklahoma and Texas. But I had several people in the conference say to me after the ACC kickoff how surprised they were, well, and how excited they were to hear Jim Phillips stand up in front of the the entire conference media in all of these schools and say football is priority number one. It, you know, no uncertain terms. There that that was a big statement. John Swafford never would have said something like that and declared that uh, to all these other schools that that have always propped up, you know, seen basketball as is their their foundation. And that's and so they're this is not just lip service to the media. This is happening in conversations behind closed doors. He's going to these schools and saying, look, you have to step up. We, the only chance we have is if we get better from top to bottom. So that's happening. The problem is, can it happen? The question is, can it happen soon enough uh, with this disparity in money? We'll come back, wrap up the hour momentarily, and then we'll get to your headliner questions. Stay with us. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Yeah, so guys, as we wrap up the hour, I, I didn't get a chance because, and we're not shocked by this, of course. We knew this would be the big topic of the day because it's on everybody's mind who cares about college football and cares about Florida State. But um, any takeaways, Ira, of, of the three of us, you were the only one there um, at the ACC meeting. Uh, at the ACC kickoff, and um, I know you just mentioned Jim Phillips. Uh, anything else that struck you while you were up there that uh, good, bad, or indifferent about the ACC kickoff? Yeah, I thought the the Florida State guys did a good job. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you have to be impressed by you know all of them, really, but McKenzie and Jermaine particularly. McKenzie Milton, I mean, it's funny. If you watch that whole video, we put up the whole 40-minute video of him sitting down with the reporters in the breakout room. About halfway through, man, he just kind of leans back in his chair and he's got his arm on the thing. He looks like a, I mean, just like, you know, like he's a, like a coach or something. I mean, he, he carries himself like, you know, he's kind of holding court a little bit. Um, and, and it's part of it's because he's 23 and part of it's because he's done what he did earlier in his career, but he's also hasn't played a snap for Florida state. Um, but you can see he definitely, the way he carries himself, if that's how he carries himself in a room with 18 to 21, 21 year olds, how could they not follow him? I mean, he's just got that, he's got that personality. Jermaine Johnson, super impressive. Uh, then Jordan handled himself well as well, but, but compared to those two guys. So for, you know, when you look at what Florida state's done in the transfer market, and then you see those two guys and the way they handle themselves, I think it's got to make you feel good about what FSU did uh, this offseason, what Mike Norvell did this offseason, bring in guys who are, you know, you think about the the leadership, the lack of leadership in this team the last few years. I mean, they didn't have any Mackenzie Milton's or Jamie, Jermaine Johnsons. I mean, this is a different kind of guy, and uh, we'll see how great they are on the field. But they're definitely the right kind of guys. I hope I Jermaine guess. dominates, just because I I love him. Jermaine's my guy at this point. I I just think he's he's not only is he confident, overwhelmingly so, but he obviously looks the part. He had a great spring. I think he'll play the part as well. Um, but he he has taken on a leadership role and accepted the responsibility that comes with it. Um, I, I, I like listening to him talk every time I hear it. McKenzie gonna... obviously is, is very confident. McKenzie's um, who he is. Uh, he's 
believes in himself, to say the least. Um, and that's a good thing at the quarterback position. You're going to have to fight Corey off for uh, the Jermaine Love. Corey, yeah, Corey's- man, I like that guy. He's awesome. He's, he's I love just him. a really uh, – people, go watch that video. You'll, you'll like him a lot. Obviously, it, it matters more and for our purposes – him getting to a quarterback, but in your purposes, people listening to this, but um, yeah, he's, he's a really likable dude, man. He's very mature. Well, I was going to say, so the night before Ira got up and had to uh, get up at whatever, seven in the morning to go interview those, those four guys. Yeah. I was at the beach. I'm going to throw a scenario out to you. I mentioned it on wake up or chant, which is now our sister show, which is crazy. That's right. But, uh, it's, no long, it's no longer our hated rival. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I always had to be that bridge, so that yeah. fine line between. Uh, so uh, on the beach, right, right at midnight, which is what I like to be at the beach the most. The moon out, not too hot, no kids around really. A naked man strolls right by our group. There's six adults. <laughs> There's six of us, eight of us. There's eight of us, all adults. Kids have just gone up. You know, they're hunting for crab because that's apparently all you got to do. That's all anybody wants to do at the beach at night is hunt for these Poor little crabs, but they had just gone up to the house. And, so and, when you say, and when you say a hunt for crabs, they're not killing the crabs. They're just like to find them and see them. Oh, no. These kids were picking them up and eating them. I'm what? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. No, they would pick them up and throw them in. Hey, look. You're, talking, got about, you're, talking, about, you're talking about fiddler crabs. Yes. Whatever they are, the little Most, tiny yes. crabs that kids yes. just love to watch crawl away Corey, in terror. You are, you are so from Atlanta. It is so obvious I know, all the I time. Know. Is so, that a yeah, go been going on since y'all were kids? Is this, it just sure. seems like yes. a newfound maybe, phenomenon. Maybe since before we were kids. Before, yeah, <laughs> before, maybe. Before, maybe. Before dinosaurs. So yeah. um, right at midnight, about 6'2 guy, late 50s, early 60s, just strolls by us completely naked. Goes At, at first you don't think, you're like, all right, that, did that just happen? Like, the girls were like, that guy was nude. And I'm like, no way. And then I look, and yeah, I can see, because it's so bright out with the moon. This isn't a normal night. It's a full moon, literally. And uh, so you're like, okay, yeah, he is. So he goes about, a, I don't know, 200 feet down, and then turns around and starts walking back. So what do you do in that moment when he starts walking back and, to your group completely nude? I would get up and move. I um I have no desire to sit there and and, and watch a naked man walk towards me. But Let's would see. you? So, Jerson shines a light on him, a bright light, because he's got a flashlight down there for the crabs. So it's also to hunt for that. So yes, nude man. And then I call nine one one. Now is that what? an overreaction or a, yes. a normal reaction? <laughs> It's a little extreme. We, what we, have, you a, we have a like, penis on the loose. What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> well, look, it is a family area. Like there's a there's a big family condo right next door. It's a public access beach right next to us. You saw it, Ira. It's like a hundred feet down. It's not four in the morning. It's midnight. It's not that late. And when we said, "Hey, dude, put on some clothes, please," the way he spoke made it seem like okay, maybe he's this gentleman isn't all there. Oh, I would say 100%. That's two reasons that I would have got up and walked away. A, (laughs) it's not a nude beach. So the fact that he's walking around nude tells me that he's hopped up on goofballs. So we already already know that. So he's in another another world already. And I'm not going to sit there and reason with a man who would walk around a bunch of families butt-ass naked while hopped up on goofballs. So I'm not having a conversation with him. 
But I'm also not calling 911 unless I think he's an imminent threat to the children that you're alluding to. Well, what if you thought he was a threat to himself because he's clearly not in his right frame of mind that he's walking around nude? I don't know how much of a threat he is to himself just by being naked. Well, he had a weapon you. or something, obviously. Listen to but, you. Yeah. Well, I guess if, if I heard at one in the morning I'm on a beach and I see Jeff Cameron walk by nude, you're and, like you're stumbling and saying, where, you're where are my shorts? What did I do to get so lucky? Yeah, oh my gosh. I never thought I'd get this again. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, I would probably it? I would probably be hey man, we gotta get back. You need some help. Let's get back to that. Let's get where are you at? Let's let me get you back to your house. Well, this yeah. guy man clearly didn't have that. And he didn't get arrested. The cop, by the way, it's a nice part of the world. Uh, the cops were there in about 45 seconds. Like I was barely done telling the guy. Plus, they probably oh, yeah. much to do on Santa Rosa Beach. I was just got done telling the guy what had happened, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, officers on the way. Should look for the flashlight heading down the beach." And yeah, I, there he was. I think I might I might uh, do a TMZ and request your 911 call because yeah, I, I was thinking I, about that. Like, what's funny about that is because of my fat face. I I'm not I didn't want him to hear me. Usually, I put everybody on speaker on my phone. But I didn't with him because I didn't want the dude to hear that. I, hey, not yeah, we got a new. I didn't want him to hear that. <laughs> I didn't want the guy to hear nine one one. What's your emergency? So I put. I was just put it on my face to talk, and of course my fat cheek put it on mute. So I'm telling the guy <laughs> for thirty five seconds what had happened, and there's nothing there. So I'm he like, thinks hello. He I'm thinks like, y'all not even care. He and then I realized murdered. I hit mute and I unmuted. He's like, yeah, what now? What's going on? And then I told him. He's like, yeah, yeah. Can you see him? Is he in his right state of mind? And I'm like, dude, he's old and kind of glassy-eyed, and and he's walking around nude on the beach. So no, he's not in the right frame of mind. And there was a family with a couple of kids a little bit down the beach. So if I uh, as we terrible can... about calling nine one one. Okay, well I, now that you vetted it here thoroughly, um, I would I would say that it's not the end of the world. I I did learn here though that if the three of us are ever together and there's a pressing need for 911 to be called. Corey's not the one because his fat face will put it on mute and we're all going to die. <laughs> so what we what has to happen from here, Ira, it's you and me, baby. We got to call 911. Yeah. Why aren't they me. listening? Why won't they respond? <laughs> Corey, have you made the call? Yeah, what is going on to him? <laughs> he won't even acknowledge me. He won't even acknowledge this threat that we're facing. Yeah. We, we desperately need to get to headliner questions. We'll do it next. Stay tuned. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next. 